calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Geek Buddies. And I know that gentleman in the middle is very happy to be back. Uh, we'll get to why in just a second. Just want to thank you all so much for uh, downloading this episode or downloading it on the podcast feed. Watching it here on the Outlaw Nation channel. I am one of your hosts, the Outlaw John Roca, joined as always by these two gentlemen to my left, uh, the gentleman in the middle there. I am the man in the middle. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And to not the middle is. This is Shannon McClung, all the way on the left. And I'm a television <laughs> actor and an animation writer, where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. Yeah, well, my hair's getting so long, it's going to creep into the middle and the left, for God's sake. This is out of control. But, <laughs> Mike, you uh, you c- couldn't come with us, so I couldn't be with us last week. Kalinowski was incredible to sit in. Another great episode. Over 3,000 views already. Fantastic stuff. People are... People are coming to the Geek Buddies train in large numbers now, and it's great to see. But tell us why you weren't available last week, my man. Well, I uh, (laughs) had a lovely Christmas here in Los Angeles. I got a very special gift this year uh, Mm -hmm. in 2020. I got the gift of the Rona. Oh! Uh, Yeah, I got COVID for Christmas. And so I was laid out on the couch sleeping drinking lots of liquids and recovering because uh, anybody who follows the news knows that currently in los angeles we are at about one in five people tested uh are testing positive for corona and uh that was i was part of those statistics over the holidays is it so how was your feet how how are you feeling are you have you have you fully recovered like what's the situation yeah i think uh pretty much fully recovered uh fortunately uh it was a very mild case uh you know you never know when you get it uh if it's gonna you're gonna take a turn for the worse or whatever but uh definitely super tired definitely lots of coughing and congestion uh really tired just really tired a lot but fortunately for me 
uh, not huge fevers. I think I had a little bit of a fever the first couple nights, but other than that, uh, no major fevers. Uh, I had a lot of friends sending me a lot of vitamins in the mail. So oh. I, uh, I, have, I have more bottles of vitamins than I know what to do with currently. I have a brand new thermometer for my forehead. I got one of those cool things you put on your finger to test your oxygen oh, yeah. flow. Um, that was really exciting. Got to test my oxygen multiple times a day. But yeah, for the most part, there was just a lot of lying around. And, you know, fortunately, trying to look on the bright side of things, uh, yeah. there's that week between Christmas and New Year's where literally nothing is going on in the world. And usually I really enjoy just taking that time off and relaxing and watching TV. And although it was not as relaxing as I might have preferred, yeah. uh, I basically laid around all week, did nothing and watched a lot of TV. So oh, that's good. That's good. that was, so that was good, but uh, definitely glad to be feeling better. Uh, yeah. Sorry to miss last week's episode. Although I think it's probably for the best because Kalinowski was great. And I think he probably would not have come on the show if I had been here, because he would not have wanted to argue Wonder Woman 84 with me. So <laughs> it was a pleasure to listen to uh, yeah. as I was as I was recovering at home. Uh, and uh, I have I have a lot of thoughts, but yeah, I thought I thought it was lovely. That's great. This has been the Geek Buddies Coronavirus Update. Uh, brought to you <laughs> by the Geek Buddies here. He is back, uh, Michael. I, actually, I will say, the one other thing that I will say about it is, yeah. I mean, obviously, particularly in L.A., it's really bad right now. But it like, is. No idea, no idea how I got it. Uh, nothing crazy had gone on that I Shannon, had. care to weigh in on this? I, I, no, I don't. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Mike no, has I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, no idea. No, no clue how I got it. Uh, I did see a very, very small group of people on Christmas and, uh, and everyone who I saw on Christmas ended up getting COVID, but uh, none of us know, none of us know where it came from. So that will be a Mm. mystery. So definitely be careful, wear your masks, socially distance. Uh, it, it, it can sneak right up on you. Um, and if you do get it, lots of liquids and lots of sleep. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a bunch of people got it going out with each other. All right. Interesting. Uh, we can't figure out who it is they gave it to you, but uh, I got my thoughts. I got my investigators on it. I've got my investigators. Oh, good. Jessica Fletcher. <laughs> Jessica Fletcher. Wait, what was her name? Was it Murder She Wrote? Was it Jessica Fletcher? I don't know. I got her on it. Angela Lansbury, still alive. She's on it. She's figuring it out. She's going to find out. Uh, anyway, we're, let's get into what we got to get into today. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, thank you so much for taking the chance on us here on the Geek Buddies. Uh, for those of you listening to us as well, thank you so much for downloading it. For those of you who are returning uh, champions to the guest to the Geek Buddies, thank you so much for uh, continuing to stay on the train with us here today. We're gonna, for those of you who are new, we what we usually do is we uh, each bring up a geek news item. We talk about it for a few minutes, do about three of them, then take a little bit of a mini break and jump into our main topic. And our main topic today is uh, going to be looking at the DCEU as we have now turned the corner into 2021 with Zack Snyder's Justice League on the way. Uh, 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 Matt Reeves' The Batman coming out in 2022 and the huge social media uproar that happened for a few hours when people took a particular comment by Walter Hamada uh, and thought it meant that uh, Michael Keaton would be the Batman now uh, settling into the new DCU. So we will talk about all of that and what will happen with Batman going forward there. But first, uh, let's get into our first geek news item. Uh, Who's got this one? That would be me. So here at the Geek Buddies, we love to talk movies. We love to talk TV. We dip our toe in the video games every once in a while. But something that we don't touch on probably enough is the world of comics, the world of books. And this week, there are two huge uh, launches happening in the world of graphic novels and multimedia. First, we have DC's Future Slate, Mm -hmm. which is uh, running after, uh, what is it, Death Metal? Dark Knight's Death Metal? That kind of sets up Future Slate. And also, we have the official launch of Star Wars The High Republic, which takes place a couple of centuries before the Skywalker saga. We've got a 700-year-old Yoda, spry, young in age. Um, this is really, really exciting. Look, John actually has what the Light of the Jedi. I think that's the first novel, I believe. And you've got another one too, right, John? Yeah, the a test, test, of, test courage. of courage. Yeah. So, especially with the High Republic, I mean, they're kind of touching everything. They've got novels, they've got graphic, uh, they've got comics. Uh, they also have a, like a, a manga line. I mean, this is this is pretty big, and it yeah. definitely lends credence to the fact that Disney is is really pushing Star Wars in all different directions. But gentlemen, I have my thoughts. What do you think? Well, 
Uh, this is a massive uh, bit of news because we get a new timeline now, Mike and uh, Shannon. This is really interesting. Things are now even more delineated. We used to have three separate ages uh, in Star Wars. Now we've got more, and uh, they released them here. Let's take a look at them real quick. Got the High Republic, Fall of the Jedi, Reign of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, The New Republic, and Rise of the First Order. Those are, and you see there the Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, pretty much the prequel trilogy, uh, and the Clone Wars are in fall, under Fall of the Jedi. Reign of the Empire includes the upcoming Bad Batch, and then the solo a Star Wars story, which has already been released of, a couple of years ago. Age of Rebellion includes the Star Wars Rebels, Rogue One, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. The New Republic is the Mandalorian and possibly the uh, the uh, Book of Boba Fett and the Ahsoka Tano series. Rise of the First Order, of course, is Star Wars Resistance, the uh, animated series. For those of you who may not know that one, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. So a lot here, Mike, to kind of consider. And Star Wars kind of changing things on the fly. But I think this is necessary now with all this new extra media coming out so that people can understand where things are happening and where things are placed. Because that's the one thing people get confused about all the time, Mike, is timeline. Uh, and it doesn't help that you have a Clone Wars that you have to kind of watch out of order in order to catch up. So I think this is their way of kind of getting ahead of the curve a little bit as they uh, launch, prepare to launch all these new series and movies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm super excited about all of this. My book is on the way. It said uh, Amazon said it's arriving today. It's what cool. I am planning on reading this evening. Um, but I'm super excited to jump into the High Republic stuff. I've been excited ever since they announced it. Uh, you know, I think Star Wars, and, and to their credit, does a good job sort of uh, keeping us in the areas that we like. Even Mandalorian, which is five years after Return of the Jedi, or all of the stories like Solo and Rebels and Rogue One that take place between the prequels and the original trilogy and kind of areas of history where we know what came just before and we know what's about to happen and we love seeing characters exist in that and it's great mm -hmm. that they're going to continue to do that but just as uh like when the old republic video games came out and all the old republic stuff came out back in the day and people got excited the high republic is really really interesting because it's new it's just a whole mm -hmm. era of star wars that we don't know anything about uh and i think they've done a really good job of making this feel like a major release i mean yeah. you know when just looking at social media, looking at Twitter, Star Wars fans are kind of embracing all of this stuff the way that they would embrace a new animated series or a teaser for a new TV series or movie. So I'm very, very excited to dive in. I'm excited to meet some new Jedi. I'm excited to see a younger Yoda. Uh, I think my favorite thing about all of it, though, I do have to say on Twitter yeah. is uh, cer certain Star Wars fans getting mad yeah. that we are referring to the era of the prequels as the fall of the Jedi. <laughs> and there's some kind of weird, like, this is Star Wars and Lucas and Disney trying to say that their SJW Jedi and the High Republic are cooler and George Lucas's Jedi are lame because they're calling wow. it the fall of the Jedi. And I'm just like, no, they're calling it the fall of the Jedi because that's what happens in the stories. Yeah. <laughs> but so I will say not to give it a bunch of credence and I'm not saying it's a ton of Star Wars fans, but I was just kind of scrolling through social media and I just started giggling because I was like, how dare they call that the fall of the Jedi? Those yeah. three movies where all the Jedi fall. <laughs> Don't it's... call it that. <laughs> it, it's confusing what fans will get upset about. It's uh, at times frustrating and infuriating because no one's reading that into it sometimes until you put it out there and then all of a sudden you're getting people involved you know and you're getting people to think a certain way funny how that works in certain situations you create a fictitious thing and people go along with it and then use those people's uh, uh anger that you stirred up as the reason for you to keep stirring up more anger it's just ridiculous uh what happens there and a little update on the, on the high republic according to star wars official site it's the time period that takes place some 200 years before the events of Phantom Menace, it's considered the golden age of the Jedi Order when peace reigned throughout the Republic in this time. It was during this era that expansion in the Outer Rim happened, including planets like Tatooine. So that's a little bit, but they're not giving away too much, Michael. You're right about that. They're kind of letting us discover it. I can't wait to dive into it myself. Probably not tonight, but at some point in the next couple of days, I will start this thing. And maybe we'll do a review of it for the Geek Buddies. Brother, yeah. If we both finish it, it'd be kind of fun. And if Shannon wants to jump in too. So yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And on the other, I'm just I'm excited about the DC stuff as well. Uh, I'm I'm really really looking forward to kind of diving in. I've been behind on my comics, and I kind of look at this as a new. Uh, opportunity to sort of dive in. Uh, I think today yeah. we have like what Harley Quinn, Superman and Metropolis, Swamp Thing, The Flash, uh, the new Batman comic, the next Batman, the Future State Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot, a lot of good stuff to check out today. So I will definitely be purchasing some comic books as soon as I get off uh, my Geek Buddies weekly podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, how's this working, Shannon? Do, are, are you still collecting comic books, or you kind of walked away from that for a while? It, it, what's your feeling on that right now? I typically don't don't get a comic until it has been released in a hardback. Okay. Um, like I I might read like an compilation. Issue. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I might read an issue or two over at Vogel's place. Um, <laughs> like if, if he's if if he's like, hey, this one is particularly good, I'll sit hey. down and read that. Hey. Yeah. hey, I got I got antibodies now. Come on by. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That is not how you should treat your antibodies. Oh, still wear masks. Still socially distance. <laughs> I'll meet. You, I'll meet you on the patio. <laughs> some socially, some some socially distant comic book reading. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do. A, we'll do a handoff on the patio. Bring bring a bring a very dry alcohol wipe so we can wipe the comics down. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the Darth Vader comic uh, that came out right at the beginning of uh, yeah. of, of Star Wars, pushing back into the uh comic book space i mean darth vader that's i mean it it came out in two volumes and i've and i've got both of those and i reread those regularly just because the storytelling is so fantastic and something else that's great about the higher public and mike saying that you know this is an area that we haven't touched on this is also the area that is going to be at least the backdrop for the acolyte which is the disney plus series that's coming from leslie headland who is the creator behind uh russian doll yeah right yeah, the only real question, as far as all of the Star Wars media that's been announced in the past few weeks, um, the only question about where it fits, most things you can kind of look at what they are and what they're about or what right. they're attached to, and you know, oh, well, this is mostly the New Republic. This is, like you said, the Acolyte is going to be tied to the High Republic, uh, is Patty Jenkins' movie, Rogue yeah. Squadron. Yeah. Uh, when Kathleen Kennedy announced it, she called it uh, a bold new era of Star Wars, I believe, or going into bold new era. So there's a question of, is is this the movie that's going to, or, I mean, Taika's movie we know very little about as well, but are these yeah. the movies that are going to take us post uh, the rise of the First Order? Like, what yeah. is what is after rise of the First Order, I think, is one of the big questions. And be awesome for Patty Jenkins if she got to sort of help define that. So that remains yeah. to be seen. Agreed. I mean, there was a uh, a Nintendo 64 game, uh, Rogue Squadron, that mm-hmm. was, I don't know if it was post-New Hope or post-Empire. I think it was post-New Hope. But okay. that is, they, they used that title before, Rogue Squadron. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and just the fact that they have an X-Wing in there, we know it's we know it's not prequel era. We know it's not before prequel era because we didn't really see X-Wings until Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe in different media, uh, media that I'm not aware of, well, so... It could, it could Rogue, be anywhere in there. Rogue Squadron, okay. I mean, traditionally is Luke's squadron of yeah. X-Fighters. I mean, that's what it, through the through the games and through the publishing and everything else, like that is Luke's uh, squadron. And kind of post-Rogue One, it's been established in the comics that he named it after Jin Erso and everyone on Rogue One who went and sacrificed their lives on Scarif to get the Death Star plans. Uh, I believe. I think that's correct. Yeah. Um, and if it's not, I am sure somebody below is going to correct me on it. But uh, <laughs> I believe that's right. Obviously, Patty Jenkins is not doing a Rogue Squadron movie about Luke Skywalker fighting during the Rebellion. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if this is in the same way that Luke named his uh, the, named Rogue Squadron after Jin Erso and everybody. Is this a new generation of fighter pilots that yeah. are naming their squadron after Luke's, or is this a continuation of Rogue Squadron? So I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm definitely curious about that. Yeah, for all the turning of the corner, it's still going to have a connection to Skywalker. So whether it goes forward without any Skywalkers in it, you'll still have some semblance of a Skywalker reference in it. So not fully a complete break, but you know it, it is what it is. And we just saw Luke in uh, in a certain uh, TV show, or so we did. No, I'm not going to say which show, but it was great to see it. So they're not walking away from it. He was on the season premiere of This Is Us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. he was. He was. I want to make a, a rival uh, 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 show called This Is Actually Us 
that isn't uh, tear jerking and emotionally manipulative. But that's just me. That's just me. Uh, as far as Star Wars Squadron, uh, uh, make a great reference here. Shannon does take place between the events. Then the films, A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, the player controls of Skywalker, commander of the X-Wing pilots, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the first 16 missions occur across various planets. And from what I'm ready to hear, the first, because I didn't play this, I don't think, the first 15 uh, levels, is that right, occur uh, uh, during uh, through this time as well. First Game's first 15 levels occur six months after the Battle of Yavin. But I think Michael's absolutely 1,000% right is not going to be anywhere near Luke Skywalker doing anything during that time. They definitely want to kind of make that break and go forward with something new. Yeah. Yeah, that game that game was a blast. I mean, yeah. I'm playing Star Wars Squadrons now, which is the oh, right. uh, yeah. uh, first person, you know, you're in the X-Wing or you're in the yeah. TIE Fighter. And I got to tell you, like when I played Rogue Squadron, the thing that I loved is I, I like the third person view, which is mm-hmm. you're kind of seeing the ship go back and forth. There is no third person option on uh, Star Wars Squadrons. So you are literally in the cockpit, which is fun for about a second. But as I've gotten older, we've talked about this, I get a little motion sickness. (laughs) So I got about half an hour in me before I'm like, all right, I got to set this down or I'm going to throw up. I feel like you and I have sort of flip-flopped. Like I used to I used to get more mo- I don't know if it's that I I'm attributing it to games getting better and graphics getting smoother or whatever, but mm. I used to get more motion sick than you did. Like when we would play Uncharted or something together, you'd go for a while. I'd play for a bit. I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm good." And now like I went through Fallen Order, uh I, oh, no. I was fine and you can't do that. I'm swinging around no. as Spidey and you 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 did that for about thirty seconds, and then you had to no. you had to take a breather. I did it for about thirty seconds, five of which I was swinging. The other twenty five, I was running. <laughs> wow! Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, and a little bit of background here on DC Future State. Sorry, I'm seeing some of the stuff happening as we're recording this. That's really kind of unsettling. I apologize. In Future State Swamp Thing number one, you've got writer Ram V, artist Mike Perkins. Uh, they imagine a future that has driven humanity to the shadows where Swamp Thing is not a creature lurking in the trees anymore, but a ruler over them and where the green has taken root, not just as overgrowth in what used to be cities, but as a family, Swamp Thing can call his own. And the other one, of course, as you mentioned, is Wonder Woman number one. That's pretty incredible to see that coming out as well. Future State from writer-artist Joel Jones. It's another story of the next version of Wonder Woman. This time, the new South American Wonder Woman, Yada Flor, is going to be showing up here and uh, being a part of this Wonder Woman universe. That's going to be a lot of fun to see as well. So maybe it is time to pick this all back up again, Mikey. I don't know. Is it all digital now? Because obviously you can't go to the comic book stores, right? So you just buy Disney and you can... I, for a while, I mean, I used to be the guy that went to the comic book store every Wednesday. I, for a while, have been buying comics digitally on my iPad. I really enjoy it. I like reading comics on the iPad. Um, Yeah, I think today's a good day. I mean, if you haven't picked up comics for a while, these are all number ones. It's kind of outside the continuity of everything else. It's a great way to sort of dive back in. And, you know, I think hopefully a lot of times when you have these sort of uh, events Mm -hmm. that the comic books companies do, it's like these are new characters for a few weeks and then we're going to get back to the old characters. And we know that after two months we are going back to the old thing. This is sort of a big event. But I do think they're putting enough uh, uh, firepower behind it that hopefully kind of in the way that we've talked about with Miles Morales and certain yeah, yeah. other characters that if uh, if these characters do hit, if they do become popular, maybe we will see them not only in mainline DC, uh, but continuing on. Like we already know that uh, the new Wonder Woman is going to get her own show on the CW. So it'll be interesting to see which of these characters hit and if DC can sort of get their own version of the popularity of Miles Morales. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right, let's move on, and we'll keep. You know, we'll we'll definitely uh, let you know if we're going to do a review of some of these books here on the Geek Buddies, uh, and uh, keep a tab on the future state stuff. Hopefully, it uh, takes off like a rocket. Uh, let's jump on to our next thing. What's uh What's our next uh, topic here, Mike? Well, one of the things that we cover every time it comes up is J.K. Rowling and her comments. Although this time <laughs> it was not J.K. Rowling who made a comment, but comedian Eddie Izzard. Uh, Eddie Izzard was uh, doing one of her uh, big marathon charity events uh, and as part of the promotion of The Undertaking was doing interviews and somebody asked her about uh, J.K. Rowling's comments about trans women because Eddie Izzard now identifies uh, uh, with she and her pronouns. So given that Eddie Izzard has kind of come out as uh, she and her, 
and I believe is non I believe considers herself non-binary but prefers the she to her she and her pronouns. People obviously asked her about her thoughts on J.K. Rowling, and yeah. uh, Eddie Izzard actually surprised everybody not by saying that she fully uh, embraces everything about J.K. Rowling, but saying that she actually personally did not find J.K. Rowling transphobic. And mm-hmm. so the exact quote that uh, Eddie said was, I don't think J.K. Rowling is transphobic. I think we need to look at the things she has written about in her blog. Women have been through such hell over history. Trans people have been invisible too. I hate the idea we are fighting between ourselves, but it's not going to be sorted with the wave of a wand. I don't have all the answers. If people disagree with me, fine. But why are we going through hell on this? Uh, so interesting, uh, interesting perspective from Eddie Izzard. Uh, obviously very different from the perspective that a lot of other people in the trans community have. But even in our comments below, uh, as we bring up these JK Rowling issues and have covered sort of her comments and her postings and everything, yeah. there have been people in the comments below that also uh, similarly say, uh, point out often that there are other trans people in the trans community that don't feel that JK Rowling's comments uh, are as dangerous or hurtful as other people feel they are. So interesting perspective from Eddie Izzard. What do you guys think about this? Uh, I hesitate to comment on this because I am a uh, straight male, a cisgender male. Uh, I think that's the right term. Um, that is the and- you did. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm learning. And it's not that difficult, people. Don't make such a big deal out of it. Uh, you know, and uh, so to me, I-, I see these comments and I go, look, I'm always a fan of debate and discussion and conversation no matter what side of the fence you're on as long as you can have a debate conversation that is respectful that you hear the other side you present your points of views debate is not necessarily about winning it is to be understood and i think that's essential and important so eddie is she has another point of view on this felt the need to speak on it and it's basically saying, I don't like the fact that they've turned this co- these comments have turned us against each other as he sees uh, two allies in women and trans people who are essentially fighting for the same thing, which is to not be invisible anymore or second class citizens or underpaid or seen as lesser than. And I think that's something as a minority I can absolutely connect to and relate to uh, definitely. So I applaud Eddie speaking her mind. Uh, by the same token, I also don't know if I necessarily agree. I don't think I agree, but I certainly think it's important to have a conversation about this. And I wish she had been I wish she had been more specific in saying what exactly are the comments that people need to reevaluate, take a look at again, reanalyze. I think it would have been nice to have actual certain points laid out rather than just a blanket statement by her. And hopefully maybe down the road, someone does ask her to be more specific about what points that J.K. Rowling laid out in her blog that we need to reevaluate or take a look at. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with John. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's uh, an opinion of an opinion. I mean, and I do like the tone in which Eddie yeah. Izzard is using, which is one of let's, let's come together, let's try to work this out. Let's, you know, let's, we don't need to be tearing each other apart over this. But again, agreeing with John, there's not a lot of specifics there other than the fact that she said, I don't think J.K. Rowling is transphobic. Mm. And I think if you if that is your point of view, you need to go back and look at what she actually wrote in her blog. Um, I, I don't know whose opinion is going to change as a result of mm. Eddie Izzard saying this, um, unless people listen and and, and go back and reread what J.K. Rowling wrote and maybe looking at it through Eddie Izzard's lens, maybe there'll be uh, an opinion change. I kind of doubt it. I feel like what the the die has kind of been cast with J.K. Rowling. So I doubt an opinion will change, but there's no harm in going back and reading it again, I suppose. Yeah. I think, look, I think Eddie did a great job. I think she was asked a question that she, I mean, she's doing a charity event. She's talking about whatever. She's doing her comedy. And because she has uh, redefined her pronouns, this came up. And I think she did a good job of answering something that she probably didn't have all the answers on, had didn't have all the specifics. And just kind of, I think as far as an off-the-cuff answer, which was basically like, I don't really want to get involved in this, I think she did a good job. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you guys. I do think that the bigger issue, and I think one of the things that she brings up, which I think is 
a valuable area to discuss mm -hmm. is this idea that women have been through hell, the trans community has been through hell. Whether or not you personally believe that JK Rowling is transphobic or not transphobic for what she says, mm -hmm. I think the one thing that is undeniable is she as a feminist draws a distinction and excludes trans women from her definition of feminism. And I think when you look at the history of the women's rights movement, uh, it is well documented that when the women's rights movement happened, uh, they were not too keen on including lesbians in that. They were already being accused of being lesbians just for being feminists, and they weren't really welcoming to that part of the community. And so I think that there are countless times throughout history where you see marginalized groups uh, fighting against each other as opposed to fighting against the people that are marginalizing them. So I think it is accurate to say that people who, that women who feel strongly about women's rights have a lot of stuff that they can, that, that they rightly should bring up and talk about. Yeah. The trans community has a lot of things that they should absolutely rightly bring up and talk about. And there is an intersection with women's rights and trans women that JK Rowling feels is not something that she is interested in. Now, whether you're going to call that transphobic or not, that's a fact. I mean, that is basically what she writes about and what she talks about. So I think that the conversation about how women's rights and trans women's rights uh, should be working together as opposed to what J.K. Rowling says, I think is valuable no matter what you want to label her as. And I think that's the more valuable thing. So I do appreciate that Eddie Izzard brought up that distinction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that's uh, a good place to end that topic on. You know, there's a lot to a lot more to come from this for sure, because I think a lot of people want this to turn the corner. Um, yes, you're angry at the comments from J.K. Rowling, but so many people love this Harry Potter series. So many people identify with so many characters in the Harry Potter series. And sure, there's stuff to pick apart and analyze and maybe uh, rightfully so kind of look at it a little bit in terms of representation. But overall, a lot of people find connection with these characters and have helped them through some tough times, some dark times, some rough times. And so to have it turn around in this way or have it be seen have it being able to be inextricably linked to jk is uh is causing a lot of people uh issues about it you know questions about it and looking at it again and look this happens in all media right like all of us like oh a director comes out damn it damn it oh now i gotta relook at this or an actor comes out and they find oh man so it's like it's all that ex it, we've all had to deal with that over the last 20 to 30 years for sure it's just part of the game now. And so we have to look at it and make our own decisions personally about it. But I think this is something that is great to bring up for debate. Hopefully there'll be more conversation uh, as this goes along, rather than people picking up pitchforks or, or, or torches and actually laying them down and having conversation. And then maybe afterwards you can pick up your pitchfork and torches, but at least have the conversation for hell's sake, for God's sakes. That's all we need in this country. So we'd like that some more, I think in this world. Um, all right. Is that everything for that? Let's do yeah. Okay. What's next? All right. Well, let's move on to my favorite segment of this thing. And of course, Michael's not favorite segment of this thing. It's the Zack Snyder update. Uh, but no, this uh, this happened, uh, I think, a day or two ago, uh, you know, with Zack Snyder's Justice League around the corner. We are now in 2021, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, Happy New Year to everybody. We are now in 2021. We are moving towards this March release. It feels like it's a, literally around the corner uh, uh, of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And there was a picture released uh, that uh, might be showing up in Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think this is from um, the uh, from the, some of the fan groups uh, that are affiliated or, or, or support Zack Snyder. They dropped this picture. Uh, and remember, the original picture from the first Wonder Woman movie was this World War I picture. Of course, you have Chris Evans and uh, Ewan Bremer <laughs> there, Saitoga, and uh, you know the, other, the Native American actor behind them there with Gal Gadot, the Wonder Woman picture. That is the original Wonder Woman picture. However, there is a picture referenced in uh, uh, BBS, uh, and, uh, and Zack Snyder finally revealed this picture. This is the picture he revealed here. You see a samurai, you see Native Americans, you see uh, look to be African warriors, British warriors, uh, Persian warriors, uh, perhaps uh, Middle Eastern warriors. Uh, all surrounding Diana. Diana looking pretty badass. The armor looks pretty badass. However, a lot of people, after enjoying the diversity of this presentation, looked and focused on this particular area, and that is Diana holding a bunch of severed heads in her hand, which, of course, 
pretty much aligns with the Zack Snyder universe. And for a lot of you that hate the Zack Snyder universe but love Flashpoint, explain that to me. Uh, this is Wonder Woman with severed heads. So a lot of the, a lot of people enjoyed the picture, and then a lot of people got kind of upset that saying Wonder Woman never kills, even though there's multiple evidence of Wonder Woman killing. But this became a thing here, uh, and I will now defer to my friend Michael Vogel about this. Uh, Michael, please, what are your opinions about this picture and about people's uh, controversy around the severed heads that Diana? Uh, the picture is lovely. It's a great photo. Uh, it, 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 it is a photo. Like it is a photo that exists. It, it's a photo that exists in a world that Wonder Woman and the story that Patty Jenkins and team put together for the first Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. Uh, invalidates that photo's existence, and so it sure. never happened. Like I don't. Uh, that's it. Like it's cool. Those are some cool-looking characters. Uh, mm -hmm. The idea that Wonder Woman was out long before she appeared in Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie, fighting in battles and making friends. Super interesting idea that within the realm of the DC choices that are made is invalidated, and so. I think it's a nice photo, uh, but the other photo with Chris Pine and team in it from the first movie, I have more of an emotional attachment to because that's the story that I know. Right. Now, I I'll, I may surprise you on this one, but uh, Wonder Woman kills. Thank like you. That, that is not that like the the bat like I I will and I will argue for days about Superman kind of just casually snapping Zod's neck in the Man of Steel movies uh, or oh. Batman. Well, uh, we don't need to. We don't we don't need to argue it. We don't need to argue it today, but in general I'm saying in in typical in the way that DC Comics for the most part defines these characters, uh yeah. in not just in not just one version of the story, but in multiple versions, it is very important to Batman's ethos and Superman's ethos that they don't kill. Uh yeah. Wonder Woman being an Amazon from Themyscira who hails from Greek mythology does not have that same opinion right. i mean they've they've made that point several times they made that point really interestingly in new frontier mm -hmm. uh when superman approaches diana during the vietnam war and she has clearly just freed a bunch of prisoners and had them kill the soldiers uh sh they've made that point in the entire arc with batman wonder woman superman and maxwell lord uh wonder woman snapped maxwell lord's necks that what that that was the moment that he sort of became more of a Wonder Woman villain, uh, which is why we ended up seeing him. What? Was it casual, the snapping of the neck, or was it? Uh, no, it wasn't actually casual. Uh, she, Maxwell Lord's ability to control people had him controlling super, superheroes in the comics. And right. she put the lasso of truth around him and said, what do I need to do to stop you? And he said, with the lasso of truth around him, there's nothing that you can do to stop me. I'm going to continue doing this. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. So she snapped his neck. And Superman and Wonder Batman got super, super pissed about it. And she was like, I kill. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Calm down, I, had, boy. I, actually, I actually had uh, a really interesting co uh, conversation with um, a comic writer that I don't want to say his name because okay. I don't know that he would actually want this story told. But like, he had yeah. pitched a story to DC like, a long no. time ago. Uh, yeah. he, he had pitched a story to DC a long time ago about Wonder Woman killing a bunch of guys who... Uh, who um, had killed a who it was like a Matt Shepard story who had beat up and killed a kid who was gay, and Wonder Woman lassoed truth them and said that and they said they would continue to do it and she killed them like so I think that this this controversy around Wonder Woman doesn't kill I'm a little bit like look say what you want about Zack Snyder and I could say plenty about him but he's not the first person that says Wonder Woman kills I got no issue here yeah yeah. Yeah, uh, agreed. Because I mean, even the first Wonder Woman movie, I mean, she kills Ludendorff. I mean, you, you don't yeah. see the sword go into him, but it's very clear that he is dead. And granted, she thought he was Ares at the time, but you don't see her fretting over the fact that she did kill this guy. And if you look at any of the fight scenes, the way she's throwing dudes out windows, chances are those guys did not survive. Yeah. Now, when you look at the photo, I mean, there was a really great interview that Patty Jenkins gave uh, to Mark Marin on his WTF podcast. And she talked about her history of being involved with Wonder Woman and how she started pitching like in 06 or 07. Anytime she had a meeting with Warner Brothers, it was always, I want to do Wonder Woman. I want to do Wonder Woman. I want to do Wonder Woman. And there was a version that she was attached to that they, she specifically said, she's like, you know, it, it has to be more than her just lopping off heads. Um, and so the fact that we see her holding severed heads in this photo, um, but at the same time, she also 
talks about what a great producer Zack Snyder is and what a great yeah. elaborator he is. So the fact that this is that that the Crimean War photo might have been Zack Snyder's initial idea. We don't know who suggested World War One. I, I don't believe. I don't know if it was Zack Snyder changing his mind or Patty Jenkins coming in with her take. But the fact that the World War One take, I think the picture of her with Chris Pine and company is more inspiring in the fact that they're not holding three severed heads. Um, I, I, I do think that speaks to Zack Snyder's ability as a producer to hear a better idea and be like, you know what? Let's go. Yeah. With that. yeah it fits more in the vibe. And that's why Zach was like, uh, you know, promoting the, the, uh, the watch along that uh, Patty just did with, with gal for Wonder woman, 1984. There is still a very strong relationship there much to people's, uh, some people who are against Zack Snyder, much to their uh, chagrin, there is a strong relationship there between Patty Jenkins and Zack Snyder. She had a different vision. It worked for what uh, she wanted to create. Zack was great to go along with it, absolutely. And, you, and you're right here, Shannon. I should have given it a little more context. It is it is uh, Wonder Woman surrounded by warriors during the Crimean War, which was fought over the rights of the Holy Lands in, in 1853. So certainly a lot could have been explored there with the idea of Holy Lands, and what have you. And this is the nerd queens are the ones who uh, posted this picture. So I want to make sure I give them credit uh, uh, for sure in, in, in that respect. So uh, there you go. But uh, there's also a colorized version of the photo, which I think kind of loses a little bit of the, uh, uh, of, I don't know, of the feel of the, of it being an, an older photo. So uh, that there, but I, I got no problems with this, but this is once again, the approach that Zack Snyder wanted to have, was a less hand-holding, stroking your hair, let's walk into the sunshine approach. It was more of a brutal, realistic, grittier approach to superheroes. Oh, oh, it wasn't casual. It was on purpose, and they no, wanted man. to do certain things. And I think his approach, whether you like it or not, I'm just saying his approach was more than First of all, first of all, I got, I got no issue. I thought we weren't debating no, I got no, I got no. I mean, I'm just saying, I have no issue. I have no issue with this picture. And had they decided to go with this version of her showing up from Themyscira in Man's World earlier, all the better. I think Shannon is correct that he sat down with Patty Jenkins, came up with a better idea. But as Shannon pointed out, Wonder Woman kills in Wonder yeah. Woman in her yeah. movie. So this idea that Zack Snyder's version of Wonder Woman was a more brutal, more anything like. It, the story is the same. Like Bruce Wayne found a photo of her. He uncovered it. Zack Snyder was like, it would have been in the Crimean War. Patty Jenkins was like, no, no, let's make it World War One. But she's pretty much the same character. Whoa, whoa, like I don't, no. I don't feel like, I don't feel like this is some sort of alternative Wonder Woman who it is, is way more violent. Having carrying around tokens that are heads of the people you killed is very much in the realm of Vietnam, where some soldiers carried around ears of the Vietnamese people that they killed as tokens of the amount of kills that they had. It is a more brutal approach to war where you carry around the tokens. We've seen this other warriors carry around like the teeth, uh, the tooth rather of the, the lions. Sorry, the teeth uh, or the tooth of the lions they killed or the animals they killed, or they carry around, you know, hair, strands of hair of the people they've killed. Indians had that with the uh, Native Americans rather with scalping. There has been, it, it, it lends itself to a more brutal approach to war versus um, being a necessary soldier in a war. The idea of taking tokens adds a whole other element to it. I'm not saying that there isn't similarities to the two approaches. Listen, I'm just saying, when you start I, carrying on seven heads, it's a whole other ballgame. I mean, I actually agree with John here because even in uh, Gal Gadot's expression in the photos, there yeah. is a difference. There is sort of the bloody conquer conquering warrior um, vibe that you get from Gal Gadot and versus the sort of noble uh what, what's the word i'm looking for noble uh noble hero i guess mm. that I think, the other uh, picture gives us vibes i think a picture might be worth a thousand words but y'all are writing a novel that's what i think <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. what i that's what i think is okay. happening here it's a good novel god damn it uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, i think the three of us are are uh, awaiting this Zack snyder just league because i think the three of us are gonna have a really good time Debating it, discussing it, tearing it to pieces, or loving it and raising it up to the rafters. It's going to be fun. Uh, but certainly, Zach, once again, this this picture shows he was not going to pull any punches. And he has said this very, very clearly. His vision was a more adult approach to superheroes, a more adult approach to 
uh, these characters. It does not mean that he wasn't eventually swinging all the way back to a more noble, heroic approach to the world. He just wanted these heroes to go through a little more of a harder <laughs> edge there. And yeah. he didn't casually snap Zod's neck. That was a very conflicted emotional moment. And he felt uh, that he that there was no other option and then let out a scream of screams of utter pain. So I I, I, I take issue with the word casually. At what at what point in the movie? At what point in the movie do that? Uh, never mind. We're not even going to do that. Let's move, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move Next on. subject. Next we'll subject. Do, we'll do a watch along of Man of Steel at three of us. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Anyway, all right. <laughs> what do you say, Mikey? Maybe only if only if uh, only if Mikey Christmas joins us. Oh Lord, that's, that's, a, that's a battle for the ages. The four of us on there. All right. Anyway, all right. Let's take a quick break. That's all our uh, our, our uh, first section of Geek Buddies news. We're gonna take a quick break for about five seconds and then jump into our main topic, talking all about Batman and what is up next for him and that character in the new revamped DC or, or them or them. Yes, better. Well said. Batman, Batman, Batman. Maybe he'll no. I guess he can't show up. The poor Adam West has passed away. All right. Anyway, our main topic today is talking about uh, this uh, situation that's been going on for the last couple of days here. Uh, Walter Hamada did an interview last week with the New York Times. And one of his comments, one of his responses, uh, had been taken by some people to mean that Michael Keaton would be the main Batman going forward. His comments about how Zack Snyder's Justice League is essentially a cul-de-sac. By the way, you can go into a cul-de-sac and, and, and drive out of it, as we talked about last week. So not 100% uh, the finality that people thought. And they took this comment. And I saw some pretty notable uh, websites and notable uh, Twitter people uh, you know, take this comment and say, this means Michael Keaton is going to be the Batman in the new DCU. He's coming back. We're getting Batman VL. We're getting all of this stuff. And eventually the writer of the piece, I think Aaron Brooks is his name, came out and said, Jesus, I take a few hours off to uh, you know, pack up my apartment or my place to move into a new place. And all hell breaks loose on social media. In no way did Walter Hamada say that Michael Keaton is the only Batman, will be coming back as the Batman in the DCU. Uh, this is just a comment he made about the current thing. And then other people started speculating that maybe it's we're only going to get Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton in a one-off. Here in essence, a little bit of, in the Flash movie as a bit of a one-off. But people still want this Michael Keaton as essentially the older Bruce Wayne teaching the younger heroes. Does not mean he ever has to don the cowl again. So speculation has been running rampant about all of this. Of course, we have Zack Snyder's Justice League coming. And for all his comments about, oh, I don't think there'll be a sequel to this and blah, blah, blah. You know that there's probably some scenes that could lend themselves to him coming back and doing an alternate sequel to this version of the Justice League and this Batman we have the Batman coming out next week, uh, next year with Matt Reeves uh, 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 directing it and uh, starring Robert Pattinson. There was some controversy around that this week as well, with Robert Pattinson saying that he was frustrated about how long it's taking to do this um, and, and so on. So we've got a lot of Batman, Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, and Robert Pattinson. We haven't heard from Christian Bale yet. We don't know what's going on with that. Uh, Mikey, I go to you. Uh, your feelings about all of this. Are you excited about all this? Does this feel confusing? Or do you think DC is on the right path with all this? I am excited. Uh, I also, I'm going to say something that I don't know is true at all. But I'm going to give you, having been someone who's worked at studios on the other side of things, here's how this information read in my mind. Okay. Uh, Walter Hamada interview happens. Michael Keaton's the new Batman. They talk about the Pattinson Batman and the new Batman. Uh, Reporter is asked... Did Walter Hamada say, when he talked about the other Batman, did he say that's Michael Keaton? He says, yeah. Internet blows yeah. up. A couple hours later, he's like, whoa, I leave for a few minutes. That's not what I meant at all. Which to me, all I could think of in my head is like, well, somebody got a call from Warner Brothers PR. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, this that's reads, point, this reads <laughs> so much to me. Like, yeah, Michael Keaton's a new Batman. That's what they're doing. That's the plan. That's the direction they're going. We've talked about this on the show. Shannon has said, it's like he's the new Nick Fury. Like it clearly seems to be the direction they're going in for whatever reason, they don't want to announce it yet. They want to wait and see whatever. And this reporter kind of scooped something he maybe wasn't supposed to scoop, got yelled, got his hand slapped, 
came out on Twitter and said, no, no, that's not what I meant, guys. Obviously, I would have said that if that's what I meant, but no way. I think that's what it is. Like, I think to me, and I could be completely wrong. Like I said, I don't, I don't have anyone at Warner Brothers telling me that he got his hand slapped. This is completely my experience from being at studios, reading this from the outside going, mm, I think somebody got in trouble. I mean, I've gotten in trouble. Yeah. I've gotten that thing where I would tweet something and somebody at Hasbro or somebody else, uh, you know, hits me up and is like, you should had not have done that. And then I have to go to Twitter and be like, whoops, that's not what I meant at all. So it sounds like that's what's happening. And yeah, to answer the bigger question, yes, I think when they talk about the two Batmans that they have moving forward, I think Robert Pattinson is in his own standalone, having nothing to do with the bigger universe Batman story. I think Ben Affleck is going to show up in Flashpoint and die. And I think that Michael Keaton is going to be there at the end and he's going to become the new Batman. And for for reasons yet to be explored that we don't know, he's not going to go back to his own reality, thus giving us an older Batman to work with all of these younger heroes in the DC Extended Universe and a younger Batman figuring things out on his own in a standalone Batman story in the Reeves Pattinson universe. Wow, Shannon, that's a strong statement from Mikey thinking Affleck's going to die in this Batman. I hadn't even considered that, that they would kill off Ben Affleck's Batman, but maybe that's part of him coming back, kind of like Han Solo and Harrison Ford. Yeah, I'll come back, but you kill me this time, God damn it. Uh, what do you what do you think, uh, Shannon? Do you do you, do you agree with Michael's comments? Do you, do you like what DC is doing, or do you, do you uh, have a different opinion on this one? In terms of the hand getting slapped, I've never worked in that level at a studio, so I can't say whether or not that is that makes sense i mean it's certainly Uh, the way the way vogel sells it that certainly that certainly sounds plausible yeah yeah. but in terms of the story yeah i mean that was first reported over the summer and and i think it was a reporter from the hollywood uh, somebody from the hollywood reporter i think it was kind of speculation on their part but it could be sort of like that speculation of like i've been told what's going to happen i'm going to write this as, as speculative but really this is what's going to happen right right again i think dc is they're making the most of what they have right now. I think they recognize the missteps that they've made in the past. And as Vogel has said many times, they created themselves a big Batman problem by, by making Batman this older semi-retired crime fighter. And yeah, I mean, I absolutely think Ben Affleck has to die (laughs) in order, like whatever this multiverse level event that happens, Ezra's flash has to go find another Batman to kind of help them, get their world back in order and using sort of this elder statesman Batman uh, that makes sense because you know you've already you're trying to launch your young Batman universe keep that as it is because it looks like they're going to they're going to be going very gritty very real very crime on the street I don't see them at this point at least using Batman's larger than life adversaries like Mr. Freeze or Clayface in that universe but they would be able to use them in the DCU that they have established that Mm. has Gal Gadot's Wonder yeah. Woman that has Jason Momoa's Aquaman that has Zach Levi's uh, Shazam and you know we have Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam coming. Yeah. I I have to assume that that is going to take place within this universe that the, the main DC universe. Mm-hmm. So using I think I think it's a smart move and I and I certainly hope that's what they do. Um, again, we don't know for sure. I mean, what does this mean for him going forward playing the Vulture? Is he going to show up in uh, Jared Leto's movie in Morbius and that's it? Are we right. going to see him more? I have to think that there would be conversations that DC and Marvel might not be totally jazzed that someone playing two prominent roles in mm-hmm. their universes. But at this point, like we never thought the Snyderverse was going to happen or the Snyder Cut was going to happen. So anything yeah. is possible. Yeah, yeah. Mikey? Uh- No, I was just going to say, the main reason I think Ben Affleck is going to die, I think Shannon is correct if you're going to have a Michael Keaton. It would have been a kind of 50-50. Is Michael Keaton going to show up as a big event, but then he's going to go away and Ben Affleck will carry on Batman? But I don't think Ben Affleck wants to. Like that, yeah. the main reason that I think Ben that Ben Affleck, that Batfleck is going to die is because I think that for the story to make sense that they want to tell, it makes sense that Flashpoint would be a handoff. It makes mm-hmm. sense that you have this Batman who we've been with for three movies, two movies, three movies, including this one. Uh, the Suicide Squad, right? Three movies, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that he's going to like exit. He's going to go out because Ben Affleck's like, look, I'm not into this anymore. And so we're going to have Michael Keaton stay on. You could have just as easily done it the other way if I felt like Ben Affleck was really into this and wanted to stay. But I don't think he is. Mm-hmm. I think that you might get, to Shannon's point, 
there's the possibility that we could continue to have Batfleck cameos. That's like if you're I, doing if you're doing a Black Adam story and you go back to like Black Adam in his early days and whatever, right. and we do a cameo where he meets a younger Batman and that Ben that Batman is Ben Affleck, but the main Batman in our universe is Michael Keaton. Like there's ways that they could actually play this and have fun with it, depending on if Ben Affleck is game. But I really kind of do think that the direction they're going is let's do these younger Batman stories with Robert Pattinson and let's use Michael Keaton. And I also think that DC has to be aware uh, that the day that they announced Michael Keaton coming in as Batman, the internet exploded in a way that mm. they, that it doesn't always explode for DC news. I'm not saying that there's not a subset, that subset is not even fair. That's not a fair statement. <laughs> there is a, there is a, the people who are hardcore DC people are yeah. always really on board for DC news and they always get excited. When the Michael Keaton news about him coming in as Batman, that excitement extended beyond the hardcore DC fans to everybody. Mm -hmm. And that is what Warner Brothers, from a business standpoint, wants. They know that the hardcore DC fans are showing up. But the idea that Michael Keaton coming in as Batman could actually extend the reach of the DC movies and increase the popularity, increase the box office, increase the reach that those movies has makes me think that they would do pretty much anything they could to stick with that plan and say, let's keep him around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of keeping Affleck around in my personal opinion, but Mike, you might be absolutely right. You know, some actors are like, I played it. It didn't work out the way I wanted to work out. Let me have a graceful exit in this way. And Warner Brothers was, you know, they gave him a graceful exit to a degree when uh, they moved on from him and, you know, uh, had Matt Reeves take this thing over. Ben Affleck said all the things that you're supposed to say and then eventually moved away from the situation. And of course, for real reasons, real honest reasons with uh, the uh, uh, his addiction problems, his substance abuse problems that he was enduring there, all of that rearing its ugly head, unfortunately for him, but him navigating it out. We see, look, people made fun of him trying to pick up those Dunkin' Donuts, but he looks jacked. So he looks ready. I mean, fuck the Dunkin' Donuts. Hope he looks ready. He can crush the bag like this. He just looks ready to stay step back into that bat black costume so i'm glad to see that there are a lot of people speculating oh could we get a live action dark knight returns with him as that bruce wayne but i think that ship has kind of sailed they used elements of it in bvs so i would be surprised if they go that route but remember jared leto's joker is supposedly involved in this it could be something to have joe that joker kill that batman and in some way, which in essence kind of triggers some things here in the in the multiverse, in essence of what they're doing in Flashpoint, yeah. so that could be uh, an interesting way to explore that character and what happens to him as well, and give him an exit where he is like ennobilized for a lot of the fans uh, for what he did with the character and how he went out. So there are certainly things here they can play with. I'd love to see him come back and down the road. You're right, flashbacks could work. Maybe if they do another, like I said, another sequel to Zack Snyder, maybe you bring him back. But if they do the death route, you got to do it right or else the fans will be even more yeah. upset they Look, brought him back to mess up his death. Yeah, he's not my favorite Batman of the Batmans, obviously, given my feelings about the Snyderverse. But if you're going to kill Batman, you better do it right. Mm -hmm. I mean, even I want him to have a good death. I, I hadn't heard the Jared Leto stuff until you just said it. I, Jared Leto will be the happiest guy in the world if he's the one Joker who actually gets to kill Batman. <laughs> That's pretty like cool. he's I so he's out. so I mad. Finally stand out. Yeah, exactly. He's so he's so mad about how it all went down for him that if he's the one Joker that gets to do it, uh, <laughs> great for great for Leto. Give it to him. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, the other thing that I think that you can't uh, not talk about if you talk about this route with him is yep. the Terry McGinnis of it all. Yeah, uh, right. is the is the that by bringing in a Michael Keaton Batman, who's an older Batman, you open yourself up to having a to being able to introduce a Terry McGinnis into the DC extended cinematic universe. I've seen a lot of people who don't want that to happen because they love how Batman Beyond takes place with the same actors years mm -hmm. later and whatever, and that doing it this way would sort of be cobbling together some things. But even Marvel does that. Like they take their big yeah. stories and they cobble them together. And I think the opportunity to sort of have Michael Keaton playing an older Batman with uh, with Momoa, with Godot, with Godot, with uh, with uh, Ezra Miller, with everybody, and then having a younger actor come in to be a Terry McGinnis with those people, like that, 
that gets me excited about the DC universe, even though I'm still a little hesitant on the directions they're going. That could be really, really cool. Yeah, I'm down with that. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, Any final words on this, uh, uh, gentlemen? Any final words to cover on this one? I mean, what Flash is supposed to come out in November of 2022, I believe. So, you know, we've got a long time to to wait and to debate. But uh, I imagine that whatever happens... We will have a great time discussing it. Yeah, and before we wrap, real quick, what were you, do you guys think they're making too much of the Robert Pattinson thing where he said that Matt Reeves is doing a number of takes or people are frustrated? I feel like I feel like there, there's been no reputation with Matt Reeves in any of his movies beforehand that he is some kind of taskmaster or perfectionist. The fact that he wants to get this right just speaks to the volume of attention to detail maybe that he wants to make sure he gets here. Uh, and maybe he's a director who who understands this project and knows that with Pattinson to do this role, he's got to push Pattinson to the point of exhaustion maybe to get what he wants to get from this character. But do you think that uh, this is just a lot of smoke or do you think there's some validity to some of these complaints? I think there's definitely a, there, there's a good deal of smoke. But at the same time, like when, and this is years ago, but when they were talking about Joaquin Phoenix playing Doctor Strange, oh, yeah. I was like, that is a terrible idea. You don't hit your franchise wagon to crazy. And while I don't think Robert Pattinson is on the level like the the walking <laughs> coaster that he's been on, yeah, 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 as as good an actor as I do think Pattinson is, there was an element of that. It's like, I I don't know, is this the right guy to hit your wagon to? Because he does seem like the type that'll be like, I'm out, and yeah. he's done. Okay. I also think I also think look, I think that COVID has made everything slow down. I think that. Whatever Matt, like, you know, like this process on the Batman has had to slow down naturally because of a global pandemic. And so even if Matt Reeves in general is kind of, oh, I'm going to take my time, that is exacerbated by this process that has made everyone's process of everything drag on. So. Yep, true, for sure. So, all right. Well, anyway, we'll see. Oh, one last thing. There are rumors floating around that RDJ might be Thrawn in a live action Thrawn. What do you think? out of here i saw i'm with laura i I saw laura tweet this yesterday and i'm with her that that is friend of the show laura kelly yes get out of here get out come on guys come on (laughs) by the way this is absolutely one of those things that like if look if it came if it happened and they came out and they're like surprise he's doing it I would happily eat my words. I would see Robert Downey Jr. do anything. But come on. He just yeah. played Iron Man for like 10 years. He's yeah. clearly tired of it. He did the thing. He's done. He's not going to jump in True. and do this. Come on. Like, right. there are other actors. You know, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, when, I think, when I think of Thrawn, again, I, I will never not think of Lars Mikkelsen. Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, that guy is Thrawn. But if you're going to get a Thrawn, I don't know, like RDJ... As much as I love Robert Downey Jr., and he, of course, he could do it, but it's like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> give, give it to Lars Nicholson. Give it, give it to Jason Isaacs. You want a tall? I don't give it to Jason Isaacs. No, you want a tall? You don't like Jason no. Isaacs? Not in that character. No, I don't think so. Oh. He's a bit long in the tooth to play Thrawn, in my opinion. You want I mean, someone he basically played Thrawn on Discovery, kind of. I mean, like he. Yeah, yeah he that's it. a good point. Yeah. Yeah, he, he played he played Revolutionary War Thrawn in the Patriot. I... Yeah, but that was twenty years ago. Like I said. <laughs> Might as well get Gibson out of the uh, out of it then. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I I heard a rumor that Danny DeVito is going to play Thrawn. No, <laughs> Mini Thrawn. Uh, all right, that's it. Let's get out of here. <laughs> thank you all so much uh, for watching or listening to this episode of Geek Buzz. We can't thank you enough for your continued support and your love of the show. Uh, there, it's 2021, so there'll be. There's, got, there's plans for more. There's certainly there's conversations for us to do more stuff here at the Geek Buddies, more reviews, more. We just kind of impromptu talked about possibly to review the book. So keep your eye out on all the stuff we got coming in 2021 as we keep expanding the brand and what Geek Buddies can do here on the Outlaw Nation channel and on its own podcast feed. Shannon, what do we got to tell them? Yeah, lousy first order. You're giving me all the signals. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK2. And if you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mr. Michael? 
Uh, look, we love it. We're happy to be here in the new year. We're happy it's 2021. We are happy to say goodbye to 2020, but we are also happy to welcome all the people that joined us last year, and we hope that we continue that into 2021. So some things that you guys can do for us, definitely hit the like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page. There is a ton of awesome content, much of it starring the three of us. Yep. Uh, leave some comments below. We definitely love to check those out. We definitely will respond to you uh, if you agree with us disagree with us we're on board with all of it as long as we have an awesome and cool conversation uh and beyond that if you are listening to us on anchor or spotify or apple podcasts please uh rate us there give us some stars leave us some comments it helps us go up in the ranking so that when people search for entertainment podcasts they find the three of us mm. and the most important thing that you can do uh is to give your own seal of approval to the geek buddies so share this link post it on twitter post it on social media send it to your friends hey have you guys checked these guys out they talk about all the geeky things. They're a ton of fun. Uh, we know that a lot of you guys have been doing that. We appreciate it. We thank you for it. It has worked. We have been getting more and more followers and more and more comments, and we love it. So let's make 2021 the geekiest one yet, and uh, let's see what we can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Echo everything my two fellow geek buddies said and more. Thank you all so much for watching or listening this week, and we will talk to you next week with another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.